0: This is Mike Madrid, and this is Gregory Rodriguez. We're your hosts for American ATA, where we'll be exploring the intersection of race, class, culture, and politics during a time of extraordinary change. We'll be
1: thinking out loud and processing what's on our minds as we go, unfiltered. And we're looking forward to you joining us for this discussion as we explore how we got to this
0: tumultuous moment in the United States. Gregory, great to be back with you. Just had an exciting, um, I think, run here on this last podcast where we were talking about a really important topic, which I think is top of mind for a lot of people. And from the reactions and from the questions that we were getting, um, I think we need to explore the topic a little bit more. And that is essentially this. We were visiting on reality and how we are in this, this choose your own reality phase, which is not new in American or even human history but it's become much more pronounced um, in our politics as we move towards more performance-based politics and more reality TV-based politics. And perhaps most importantly, um, the belief in misinformation and the, and the choose your own science, choose your own evidence, choose your own reality phase of history that we're in as both Americans and potentially as human beings, as, as technology kind of allows us to be exacerbated. The question, and it was a really good one that did come up, was did the pandemic accelerate this dynamic because we were so isolated either as individuals or as family units spending far more time on our devices and having much less human, real human contact, real human interaction? Did that set an environment where hyper-reality... Or faux reality, or choose your own reality, uh, became more commonplace. Well, let me let me take a, a try at that. The
1: the, the the little evidence that we've seen so far is one we've seen the continuation of the opioid epidemic uh, that had begun uh, perhaps a decade ago. Uh, so that uh, presumably the lockdowns or whatever you want to call them, the ice, increased isolation, uh. continued, did, did nothing to stop them if not exacerbated them. So those are also a function of isolation, social isolation, of having fewer networks, of having connection to people who can help you, which creates helplessness, sense of hopelessness and hopelessness. Um, Wall Street Journal had a piece uh, last week on a study on um, increased loneliness among teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are going to see, uh, as we get out of this, we're gonna go to the next level of the crisis. I had early on um, in this pandemic, I had read a study out of Toronto. They had their SARS epidemic, which was not as big as, as the recent one, but a study showed that three to five, I don't, what was it, up, up to 40% of those studied had some sort of mental um, uh, mental troubles afterward, whether it was uh, depression or, uh, or other sort of symptoms. So we are going to see an explosion of this. Um, so it's it's, it's it's chicken or egg, right? So loneliness and isolation can lead you to, all sorts of unhealthy uh, behaviors. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it, so, so what do you think? I mean, do, do, you, uh, do you think uh, that we are going to, I mean, won't we also see a reaction toward isolation, toward a great deal of togetherness, which you've discussed before?
0: I, th- I think we will. I just I think that I'm I'm asking maybe a different question, which is because of the isolation, not necessarily how are we emotionally responding, but how are our brains responding to reality. Did our reality change in a way that it exacerbated the the misinformation? Did did it provide let well, let me let me let me let me be let me be really specific because I was obviously involved with the Lincoln project and a big part of the Lincoln project success was the viral sensation of the video and the content that we were putting out on a really rapid pace um, daily, essentially with some really good quality content. But there's no question in my mind that the fact that so many people were on devices and watching the you know, Donald Trump press conferences every day and so hyper-focused on perhaps some of the same things on all of these platforms allowed us to, to, to blow up and become such a big phenomenon you know, really exponentially. And, and, and what it also allowed us to do was develop a relationship with, a, with millions of people very quickly. And what it, what it did, not just the political implications, obviously became very clear to me, but perhaps most importantly was the realization that people were living on these platforms. The reality of their life was on these platforms. And the, the real power of what Reality was and was not. I think really hit home to me as I kind of saw the reaction that that we were getting because it was completely unique in in, in in politics anyway. But the reaction of people and their relationship with us as individuals, but also with a movement and a cause and an emotional feeling. You literally had a captive audience. We literally had a captive audience. And, you know. and 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 and. and Again, I, I, the, the, the question really comes down to is when people are, lack human interaction and are increasingly on, these, on their handheld device or their tablet or even their television set, does that distort reality? Well, yeah, I mean, number
1: one, is there such a thing as reality? There's a question. Two, even if you're seeing the same thing objectively, you don't necessarily understand it to be the same Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are different ways of looking at so-called reality. And three, I mean, there's nothing more unhealthy to me than to think that there's a captive audience. That's partly what Trump, as you talk about, did to uh, the, at least the electorate of the United States, which is to make them focus on him as if he were real. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the themes I keep on harking back to, I find myself harking back to in our conversations, is the nature of uh, sort of the national focus versus the local focus. And I always think the national focus is somehow less uh, actually real. Um, you know, I, I, I see a very poignant picture of a, of a, of a funeral in Washington on a, on, a, on a Twitter feed, and and it's, it's, it's sorrowful, but... Uh, why am I not looking at the sorrowful people around me who are literally a block away or the apartment away? So, mm-hmm. I mean, so that's is that real that we're looking at Washington? So, so I don't know if I can answer your question, but yes, there are definite. Uh, Hannah Arendt wrote about the the connection between loneliness and uh, authoritarianism. That we that there is this this is happening. This has been happening in America. Uh, the decline of family, decline of social networks, which 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 disappear with certain ethnic groups or certain uh, sort of groups of belief, um, faith groups. Uh, so we are seeing that, and ha- had so the question is, did did the pa- pandemic uh, exacerbate the loss? Absolutely, but I also think um, there's another uh, there's, there's another factor that's just as important that Trump was part of, which. The Trump and the right, and we've talked about this—the sort of the, the 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 bashing against the authority of the 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 Ivy Leagues, or the authority of science, or the authority—is bashing against a notion of reality, a perspective on reality, a worldview on reality. So what what we're also seeing is that the the opening of Pandora's box. That 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 was. This is also what America post-war America was: the three networks. And a liberal consensus um, that was built on uh, US military might and victory in a global war. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have so the the destruction of the, the power of the networks and the explosion in the, the number of sources and the type of information we can get also is not is is off, is a function of the fact that it's it's less the, the country is less hierarchical, that people actually are more free to believe what they want or to find the information they believe they want to believe in, right? They want to believe it. So so there's something else going on here. It's, it's the absence, it's the destruction of hierarchy, mm-hmm. also very quintessentially American. So why believe them? That's also comes to the anti-expert sensibility. That's not all, I know that offends you and to a certain extent it offends me, but I think we both have elements between us both and let's not get personal here which actually sympathizes with those who are against the, those elite authorities, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing in the end. It could be horribly destructive, but there is an element of this society that can be renewed from the destruction of the elite authorities, at least in the interim, as, as presumably as long as some new authorities or a new semblance of hierarchy is recreated.
0: Well, elitism is really difficult as hierarchy collapses, right? I think that's right. a big part of it. Is it? And I think that's again we've talked about this in terms of the rise of kind of populism or this popular revolt against ideas, against establishments, against institutions, against evidence, against expertise. Uh, and and it's and as you pointed out, I think rather um, accurately, um, globalization isn't just flattening the economy, right? We're flattening our sense of ourselves and our our identity and that that's that, that 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 very sense of who we are in this broader society is changing and elitism um first of all elitism has essentially failed i think society the hierarchy doesn't really work when we're able to well, when we look at what is happening to so many people in, in their lives. So how can
1: you blame their anti-author their anti-elitism? Right?
0: It, precisely. Yeah. Like yeah. there is as you to your point, there is a there is an under the, I can understand what is happening. I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's functional, or at least I haven't seen a positive router development for it. But man, I get it. I get right. it. I get right. it. Right. And it's why it's a global phenomenon. It's not just an American phenomenon or a Western civilizations phenomenon it's literally the globalization is a flattening and a changing of, of identity and a disassociation of ourselves as human beings from quote unquote reality or well, the, from, from, the from, locale,
1: from locale and place and meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not yes. just glo- global- globalization; it's also the lo- classical liberalism that one must liberates oneself from one's context over time, and the belief in the autonomous individual will destroy tradition, will destroy connection. So it's so it's it's, it's global democracy, rather global capitalism and class and, and, and liberalism in its classic sense leads us to that. However, let I, I want to so, so look at. Um, we, we both acknowledge that. If, if the elites have failed and it makes sense that anti-elitism is happening, then how is that then leveraged by the powers that be? Okay, you, in my mind, populism isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, demagoguery is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So what, What? and there are two different things. Yes. I mean, populism is sort of, uh, sort of a, a reaching out to the concerns of average people and demagoguery is, is more sort of appealing to the prejudices of, of uh, and so 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 Trump's demagoguery, he was actually more of a demagogue than an actual populist. So if somebody, Mike, came along and said, we're going to create policies that work for working people in a way that wasn't appealing to the prejudices and the hatreds of the working people, um, and then sort of reconstructed the notion that science and other commonly believed sources of knowledge that wouldn't be such a bad thing. But they're not antithetical. One could create a working class movement that wasn't uh, demagogic, that wasn't purely against something. But we haven't. We don't see that
0: yet. I mean. Does, are, you, are you following me that, that, I, that I am following you. let me let me recharacterize yeah. and see if I'm getting this right yeah. because I, I think I, I think I agree with you yeah, uh, which I think I agree. And that, that what you just explained is what the traditional role of a political party should be essentially. Through, through a philosophy of government, we develop these policies that meet the needs of the working person or the popular element by popular I mean the majority element. we're trying to find and build there is a rationale to build, a popular platform to get to win the hearts and minds of a majority of people so that we can get to power. Populism, in my mind, is not uh, popular. Populism is defined more by being against something than what it is for. That, which is why it's so fluid, right? I, I would simply make the distinction that you yeah. can distinct, you can make, that's demagoguery.
1: Okay. Populism doesn't have to be demagogic. They often come in the same package, yeah. but they can
0: be separated. That's fair. They, so I, yes. So just I think, to, I, so, I think so, it's a, yeah, they, they, it is a very important distinction. Yeah. And, and I do and, believe I do believe in, a, in the American sense as we have seen it. Populists like Andrew Jackson or or the kingfisher, right in Louisiana, or or. Uh... or even, but Thomas
1: Jefferson was a populist. Franklin Delano Rosa was a populist as well, and it's, it, it, so so there are there are gradations of it, right? The the the, the common the theme of the, the what's good for the common man and so forth. So, but in any case, so I I I think we have a bigger problem than um, there's two different problems as I see it. There's the isolation and the absence and the erosion of supportive culture to individuals within the society. Right. And two, um, there is a failure. Why I believe, okay, I was in line, I, I spent time on the high desert in Southern California and I was in line in a grocery store for some Gatorade. I, wasn't, I, was, I had forgotten what low humidity does to one, if you're not, uh, so I was, in, I was buying Gatorade at the local uh, store, right? And there was a man in front of me with no, no mask, proudly no mask. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, you, you know, we could make a, this is about a race thing, or it's about a class thing, or it's about a, when the hell did following rules ever work for him in the first place, right? Or when you think about it, there was, I mean, I'm, I'm just projecting, I didn't say, sir, you know, why aren't you wearing a mask? But there, there was There was this, maybe this is some source of pride, and it's some sense of self-ownership to say, I am free, I don't wear a mask. So 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 sometimes I'm thinking that these these anti elitist things are simply help people feel that they own their own lives. But when he finishes the liquor store, he's probably going to go to a Walmart down the street, which is just a big corporate. (laughs) So so, you know, all the corporate corporate elements. And when I say corporate, I mean sort of big and and, 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 global. Yeah. And lacking sort of intimacy Mm -hmm. and connection. So, so sometimes I'm thinking this anti-elitism and anti-rules can simply be one of the many ways that people derive some sort of, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not going to pay it. What did it do for me? It's a way of, of sort of solidifying your ego, which on the progressive end, people are finding individual meaning through group
0: ownership right 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 conformity i'm I'm an individual because i'm a conformist
1: but there, so both may be similar and they both may be deriving from a sense that this that 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 none of this is working for the average person um so i think we have a bigger problem of a totally elite driven uh politics and that's that's the greatest tragedy of the many tragedies of donald trump is that he appealed through his demagoguery, to the biases of the of the working, but he did nothing for them. I mean, that's just the most disgusting thing of all. Perhaps uh, is that he was himself, literally himself, a globalist. He was himself someone who didn't give a damn about the people. He just, if if Donald Trump had said to the people of Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, I hate those people who are doing this to us too but I'm going to build you a college and university and training centers to put you back in the economy. He never did the constructive part. And you know what I mean? It, yeah. It, 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 it's, and never tried. He didn't even need to try. It, exactly. So it's all, and you said the word performative. It's not only, it's just, it's so performative and it's just so, there's nothing substantive. There's nothing of interest that, that doesn't serve anybody's interest, but the upper classes who rode in, sort of the, the, the billionaires who rode in on the backs of working people's prejudices? It's one of the great cons of our lifetime. They should make yeah. a movie about it,
0: dude. It's not new. I think no. the, the, the the level and the crassness and the yes. and the and the the, the not even trying <laughs> you know there wasn't it wasn't even any scripted handlers or you know paid speech writers that yeah. was trying to come up with the right language to fool people. He was basically just like saying, You're all a bunch of idiots and let's go build a wall and let's just hate people and I'll I'll feed that hate as long as you give me
1: and deregulate. Uh, and my buddies, uh, and, and, yeah. Everything as long as you in, give in me sight. and all my
0: buddies a few more billion dollars, we'll just go have some rallies and get pissed off and dance around and get angry and, and hate. And Jeez. as long as we can do that. And maybe that's just the end of the line. People are just like, yo, that's it. A lot of people are saying, you know, I was voting with my middle finger. It, it was more than that. And see, like when I hear you talk about a guy going in without a mask, that guy's looking for a confrontation. That's not, a, that's not an expression of freedom. That's a big F you. That guy's saying, fuck you guys like come at me like and, that, and that, that's when freedom becomes antisocial and becomes destructive and it's the excesses of freedom because it's not it's not trying to practice something towards a better society it's looking for and I, I believe so much of what is happening on the right is defined by actual confrontation.
1: Okay, that, that's fair enough. Uh, but I, that, but you said something that, that's antithetical to me. Freedom is not, is usually, the notion that you can pursue your own happiness as a primary goal in life is not conducive to building the goodwill of a commonwealth. Yeah. It's just not. So our national ideologies are, are, are not conducive to cooperation, period. So I- any emphasis... On freedom. I mean, even the obsession of liberation on the left, the obsession of liberating this minority group and that group, usually comes at the expense of, or feeling that that another group must be contained. That it's not about simply your freedom. It's also a confrontation. It's also a sense that somebody's keeping you from your freedom. So there's an enemy too in that source of liberation as well. Mm. Not necessarily. So, so they both have bad guys in their worldviews, right? It's those those keeping you
0: down. I think they require it. I think the more pure you get in your extremism and your ideological purity, the more you require an enemy.
1: Right. Right, and I think, yes, very good, very good. Um, the other thing I thought of this week, just to go off topic entirely, you saw that uh, head of the, was it Mississippi Republican party with the each member of the family taking a picture with a semi-automatic Oklahoma. weapon? Oklahoma, Oklahoma, okay. yeah. Um, and I thought of it, sort of the second amendment to the right is sort of like the first amendment to the far left. Mm. That that it's just like you fetishize the freedom, like like the defense of, of Larry Flint. Larry Flint was a gross was grotesque. And what mm-hmm. he did was grotesque. Mm-hmm. And and having handling handing a, 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 a one of those guns to a kid is grotesque. And those yeah. picture was so it's believing in the freedom, in the right, more than you do in any common good. Obsession on rights leads one often to lose the the very semblance of thinking about the common good. Because, but but the sense of rights is sometimes if you're obsessed with it, is antithetical to thinking about the common good. So we've gotten to mm-hmm. the point where we are at a show off, a face off rather, uh, of, of rights and what we can do um, with very few people talking about the common good in any articulated way. Even, even if one agrees as do I with the, the Obamacare Act, mm-hmm. it was not sold to the American people effectively as a common good when it was, you know, it was passed with 50%. So even if Joe Biden puts together this huge infrastructure package, it'll be done without explaining it to us the importance. Mm-hmm. So everything, so I, even if something good is done, if it's not done with the idea shared that we're all sharing and doing something together, it still doesn't fix our problem. We'd sometimes, we need a leader on both sides. We need leaders on both sides to say, hey, everybody, we're doing this for everybody. Is that possible now? I think it's possible if with the right, uh, I emailed you this Financial Times column the other day about the, the right, uh, The I don't know if you looked at it, the the the, the person to deliver the message that if, if Barack Obama were introducing this infrastructure package, he would have been slammed by Republicans. But because this older Catholic Irish dude does it with, you know, I was mumbling, bumbling his words, it's less, you know, it's, it's, so it's again, performance. Less threatening. It's less threat, perfect word, yeah. So I think it's possible, but not in terms of rah-rah. It's gonna be somebody in a calm voice, somebody who isn't a racial trigger to Whoever is needing or responding to racial triggers or youthfulness or whatever. It doesn't appeal to so many biases of whatever activist group on either side. But um, I think it's possible. I think it's going to happen if, or in you know, a country will dismantle, but uh, either that, but I, I think first we're going to see Biden's
0: greatest strength is that he is non-threatening. Yeah, Exactly. And I think I think the fact, I remember during the campaign, I was, I would joke incessantly with my team because they the the, the, the the nickname, one of the nicknames is Donald Trump was struggling to find the right nickname for Joe Biden. He came up with the, the Joe Hyden, right? Is what yeah. he called him, Joe Hyden. And I just, Pavlovian, I had this response. Every time I heard Joe Biden's name, I'd say Joe Hyden to my team and we just kind of make a joke out of it. But that, that was a strength. The reason why you didn't hear Trump say that for too much longer is because it really was not, it, it, it was, it was the counterbalance to Donald Trump. Yeah. And it was what people yeah. wanted. they we were so exhausted from the, the continual confrontation, adversarial relationship and battling. It was like, this guy's just not, he, he's, he, he's just, he's, he's, he's so non-threatening. Yeah. And has, as an older white guy, uh, who's been around forever, he's not driving an agenda. No, that is he is threatening. He- Right, he is
1: driving an agenda, but in but not stating it. Right, you can read the agenda in in the pages of the yeah, of the but the Time. agenda
0: the agenda is like solving the pandemic and building infrastructure.
1: Hey, dude, that was uh, that that could be made in the mouth of Donald Trump. That would have been
0: uh, yeah, uh, controversial. Yeah, but he wasn't chanting at rallies. Build infrastructure. No, no <laughs> build, understand. But build I'm the saying, wall, I, right? Which is also I'm just, infrastructure.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just saying that it, it, I agree with this yeah, FT guy. Yeah. that Had a, yeah. Barack Obama
0: said we're going to spend this much money, there would have been. So it isn't. It isn't the well. Uh, but, and to your to your point, I mean, he also has been talking about a commission to talk about expanding the court, the Supreme Court. Yeah. Barack yeah. Obama said that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would it would be you know violence breaking out.
1: So on a sort of purely anecdotal level, I, you know, I used to, I, I like, I, I still like the former uh, mayor of Los Angeles, Republican millionaire, Richard Reardon. And I happen to know from different sources that when he int- interviewed people for jobs, he would actually give them points for being relatively inarticulate. <laughs> and he once said to a friend of mine who was sitting with him in an interview, if I wanted a smooth talker, I'd hire a Mayor D. So he actually saw, and that was part of his success, right? He became mayor of Los Angeles after these riots because he's a bumbling, seemingly ineffective. He's not, but- I have a personal
0: story. Can I tell a personal story about this? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it contradicts what you're saying, but let's let's run with this. I was interviewed to run Richard Reardon's campaign for governor. Oh. And I flew, have I told you this story? No. I flew down to his house Mm -hmm. uh, in Westwood. And the, the servants allowed you know let me in, and uh, they were going to put me in his personal library. They put me in his library because you know people on the west side of Los Angeles have libraries, and I was waiting for him there. And there's a couple things I noticed. First of all, I noticed that all of his books in his library still had the library coding because back in the day was there were Dewey Decimal systems, right? right. This goes back a ways. These books had never been opened. This was all just cosmetic. This was not a real library where the man was a learned, you know, that was the impression, but it was all, he purchased a bunch of these books from, I think the LA uh, public library or some or LMU library or something, but he literally just bought them and shipped them and stuck them on and didn't even peel the backings off. So Reardon walks in, we sit down. Uh, he, we're about to sit down and he says, Mike Madrid, you're Mike Madrid. And I said, I, I am. He said, well, that's a good Irish name. At, and just drops it cold. And I say, no, actually, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm Hispanic. It's a, it's of Mexican descent. And he goes, that I, I was a joke. I was, I was just kidding. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Right. So I completely, I didn't get the job first of all, but I also right. completely bumbled that. And it was not articulate and I was not funny. And um, I, everything kind of went downhill from there so right. i'm not too sure if that story ties into what you were saying or not but it,
1: uh, it, it's not it's it's not in conflict but it, to the public he came across as inoffensive and he he never like mr mcgill sm- exactly he never he uh, what i'm trying to say is he knew and i suppose biden if he doesn't know already his advisors and strategists know that the the that i don't know i don't, I don't want to say he's a bumbler. Uh, the
0: he, he has with, a Mr. Magoo
1: quality. The, qua- the caution with which he speaks uh, is probably been told to him as an advantage. That it's an yeah, advantage,
0: yeah. Because I mean, as much as the right tries to make him this demonic figure, he's just he's just sort of inoffensive, right? He, right. He's it's endearing. He's a little old guy, right? Like that guy's guy the face of socialism that's going to overrun the world and take your guns so, away. And it's like, come on.
1: So our dear listener who, who put us on, we've, we've moved beyond her track, but I'm going to go back to it for one second. So, the, so has the pandemic exacerbated this, this uh, choose your own reality? I, I would say, uh, my guess is that we're going to go back. Post-pandemic will be crazy. Uh, will be lots of risks taken will be lots of reconnecting. And we are going to see a a social orgy of sorts that may break down lots of the rigid orthodoxy that we've been living through on both sides of the aisle for the last 10 years or so. I'm actually gonna be optimistic that the pandemic will make us wanna get our hands dirty, to put it cleanly. So what do you think? Do you think we're gonna, people are going don't, I don't think we're gonna rush back in uh, with great care.
0: I think that's actually uh, where my mind was going, was saying maybe we will have a yearning for actual reality again. We'll, that, human, that human interaction again might make us more present in the moment
1: and 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 reality in this sense in actually dealing with people it's hard to think in terms of abstractions abstractions create these notions of purity and perfection which lead to extremes and this you know this horrible dialogue with the absence of dialogue so if you actually know and deal with people and have to survive with people you know that they're flawed and this absence of any allowable flaws in our political discourse and otherwise is also a function of people not engaging with people in the real world.
0: I think that's really insightful. Well, time will tell. Let's talk again soon, Gregory. All right, buddy. Take care. Right. Take care. Thanks again for visiting with Gregory Rodriguez and Mike Madrid on this episode of American Ata. If you've enjoyed the discussion, please help us out, share, review, and give us five stars. We'll talk to you next episode.